you're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear some of the voices of protest that have been heard on San Francisco's streets over the past few days. They should not be just another hashtag. Your black children, your black boys and girls, they should not have to fear that if I decide it's cold outside, I'm going to put a hoodie on my head, that I am going to be a victim of yet another police brutality. Yes, I'm the mayor, but I'm a black woman first. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. The killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis by a police officer on May 25th sparked a wave of protests around the nation and the world, demanding an end to police brutality against African Americans. Civic is taking a moment to listen to the voices of some of those taking part in San Francisco protests. This edition is one in a series of programs in which we hope to report on this extraordinary moment as the nation grapples with its failure to provide equal justice under the law for all races, ranging from fair and just policing to criminal prosecution and sentencing. On Saturday, a peaceful march made its way around the city. Demonstrators paused in front of Mission Police Station on Valencia Street, chanting and reading out the names of others killed by police across the nation in recent years. Many left from there, but some kept marching, this time to a nearby freeway on-ramp, where they faced off with California Highway Patrol and SFPD officers. A group continued on to City Hall, and later that night, windows were smashed and some stores were looted in Union Square. Mayor London Breed announced a daily curfew would go into effect the next day from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. But protests continued, starting with another peaceful march on Sunday. Demonstrators made their way up and down Market Street, marching to Embarcadero Plaza and making speeches on a megaphone. They called for a strategic approach and unity, and then they marched back to City Hall. San Francisco Public Press reporter Brian Howey spoke with Nathaniel Shawnee on Sunday evening. I guess I'd say I'm here because, like, in my class that I take in college, focuses a lot on social injustice. So I really stress a lot of social injustice with African Americans, especially in the penal system. And then I think this is kind of a culmination of a lot of things that people are very mad about with African American community being, like, being not focused on and not getting enough support. So I think it's just more than one thing, but I think we'll have to let George Floyd put it all together, you know, and how un- how a man could just do that to another man, no matter who you are, I think is just extremely, extremely horrid that you live in a world where that'll happen, but it's beautiful that this many people came on such short notice. So it's a beautiful thing and it's horrible that it had to happen, but it's a beautiful thing that people come together like this and it's like all different types of people here, so... That night, a group of around 100 protesters stayed out in front of City Hall past the 8 p.m. curfew. Most were dispersed by lines of police officers who advanced outward from the City Hall steps. A few stragglers set off down Polk Street, setting a dumpster on fire and heading back downtown. Later, Brian and I found several protesters on Stockton Street, surrounded by officers, being arrested. But City Hall Plaza again filled up with protesters on late Monday morning. Several hundred people, more than a thousand by some estimates, filled the area in front of the city hall steps, with virtually everyone wearing masks, organizers had brought some to hand out, and most adhering to social distancing. 
A DJ played between speakers, some of whom were locals and some of whom had traveled a long distance to say their piece. Among them was a woman named Jessica, who'd come from Fairfield. I feel like um, it always takes another hashtag for us to see this type of population come and join in solidarity. And um, it's just not enough. Enough is enough, but this is not enough. Like they said, we need to know how many people are going to stand behind us, you know, in solidarity when uh, the crowds are gone. And I'm sitting behind closed doors crying, wondering if the next time I send one of my sons out, will he too be another hashtag? an organizer with wealth and disparities in the black community, Justice for Mario Woods, who has been an advocate for police accountability since Woods was killed by SFPD officers in 2015, told the crowd speeches and protests are not enough. I wish like hell! I wish like hell! That all of you who are standing here today would be serious about racial and social justice. But I do know, I do know that many of you, you're going to stand here today, you're going to have signs today, you're going to chant today, but tomorrow you will be nowhere to be found. I'm hoping that this day of where we are today, that you will want to join wealth and disparities in the black community. Justice for Mario Woods. You don't have to come every week. You don't have to come every month. But when the call rises, when the call rises to come and stand with me for black liberation, 
Rico Hamilton, a crisis responder, street outreach worker, former District 5 supervisor candidate, and organizer, described experiencing racism in America as a nightmare. Every day of my life, I've been taught that I am somebody. I've been taught to say it well. I've been taught to try to translate it in my feelings. But it's kind of hard when the society show you that you ain't nothing. I have tried to keep hope alive. But with every injustice that hope is flattened, I have had a dream my whole entire life that has been a nightmare for me and my community. I'm trying to wake up from this nightmare. I am trying to wake up from the injustices that happened to my people. But this nightmare, it haunts me. This nightmare, I can't breathe. This nightmare, my hands is up. This nightmare that we talk about, we have to figure out what is justice. Justice is just us. All of you who stand united in solidarity, knowing that life matters, knowing that it's about humanity, knowing it's about the human race. I have seen in this dream where progressives and moderates have argued over street lights and bike lanes and like that. While there's a community around their corner where young men are dying and being brutalized and being incarcerated by the masses. All of you young black men, it is time for you to rise out of the shadows of the old way. It is time for us to educate ourselves. It is time for us to figure out how do we hit them. It's not by looting. I ain't going to even tell you that lie. I know somebody's waiting for me to say it, but I ain't going to tell you that lie. The way we hit them is through the judicial system. The way we hit them is through the legislative system. We got to stop worrying about the mayor. We got to stop worrying about the president. We got to stop worrying about the governor. We got to worry about those who continue to look at the law and never change the law. I ask my people, when you go and vote, well, first I want to say, go register. Go register first. But when you go and vote, get educated on those people. Because these are the same people who continue to look at the laws which govern the police department, which incarcerate people of color at mass rates. And they look at it and don't do a damn thing. So we have to figure it out. It is up to you. It is up to you. Because after the protesting is done, then what? Then what? Because we are the ones that's left in the community hurting, crying, feeling the pain, feeling the trauma. We have to figure it out. We have to hold 
our politicians accountable to the things that they are not doing. This is what we have to do today. We have to organize, we have to mobilize. We have to figure it out. San Francisco Mayor London Breed made some remarks as well, and hers too were personal. You know, my heart has been heavy. Yes, I'm the mayor, but I'm a black woman first. I grew up not too far from here in public housing. I never thought I'd be mayor. I never thought I'd be in any situation to put your hands. In 2006, sadly, my cousin was killed by the San Francisco Police Department. And at that time, there was a lot of anger and hurt. This was my cousin who I grew up with, who I played with, who I kicked it with, who I loved. And when his mom showed up wanting to know what happened, she was treated like a criminal. There was no independent investigation. And I didn't understand why. I get it, nobody's perfect, but my cousin didn't deserve to die. And let me tell you, I'm so proud when I served on the board of supervisors that any time in San Francisco there's an officer-involved shooting, there is an automatic investigation. I get it. What I'm seeing is the hurt and the pain and the frustration on everybody's face right now. And for African Americans, we've been feeling that hurt and that pain and that frustrating frustration for far too long. We are glad to see other people understanding our hurt and our pain and our frustration. charge of this city. And as the mayor who's in charge of this city, I will do everything I can to push for the right policies for our law enforcement here in the city to make sure that what we know has been happening sadly all over this country doesn't happen in our city. There is nothing more important to me than to do that. born out of this movement at this time. Think about it. Racism. What's happening in this country is pure and simple. It's racism. What happened to George Floyd is because he was black. What happened to my cousin because he was black? What happened to the CNN reporter who was arrested because he was black? I want to say one thing. 
Black Lives Matter is nobody's joke. I'm tired of people treating it that way. I'm tired of people masking their racism in Black Lives Matter. It is not a joke. It is not a joke. It is born. It is born out of pain. It is born out of racism that we are going to fight against. It is born out of our struggle, our blood, sweat, and tears for all that we have struggled through in this country. Don't get it twisted. It's not a joke. So for those of you who are genuine in this struggle, who are genuine in this struggle, we thank you and we welcome you. But for those of you who are using this movement as a way to push violence, to go after other black people, to tear us down, we will not tolerate that. Don't get it twisted. Actor, singer, and activist Jamie Foxx made an appearance, calling, like several others, for continued commitment to the cause, and telling his Hollywood colleagues to lend their voices to the protests, too. And what I want to say about my Hollywood friends, you got to get out here. You got to come out here. You can't sit back. You can't tweet. You can't text. You got to get out here. So many, so many people have texted me, Fox, can you tell us stop doing this? Fox, can you tell him stop doing that? You tell him. You come out. You see what it is. You gotta understand, people are hurt, and I'm not agreeing with any. I'm not agreeing. To, I don't even know what. I don't know what to say. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. But all I can say is that when you hear and you see how people are hurting, you can understand what it is, as opposed to being in your bedroom or your living room and saying, "Hey, I don't like this. Get out of the cul-de-sac and come down here on the courtroom steps." Some of those private jets that you got, get on them. Because people like Dr. Amos Brown had to march. They had to march in Alabama. All we have to do is get on our bus or plane or whatever and get here and let the people see you. And that's a challenge to all of you because they have been calling me. I will tell you, they have been calling me uh, uh, saying that they want to help out. And I said, the best way to help out is to just let them see your face. All I want to do is let y'all see my face and let you know that the people on the front line that work and do this every single day, you can call on me, and I'll come anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, sing, tell a joke, whatever it is. But we have to be here, because at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, the most important thing is this. They're still, I'm still worried that they may try to pull one on us. Let's not forget that. They may try to pull one on us. Even now, they say, we didn't see what we saw. 
and I continuously say, how can we see it as a murder and they see it as a misunderstanding? The work is still here. I'm only here to, I don't, I don't preach or anything like that, but I just want to be here to let you know that you got somebody that you can call anytime, any, anytime I'll be here because like I said, the other day as I'm talking to my young kids, as I'm talking to my nephews, as I'm talking to my daughter, trying to tell them how to act when they're out there and they see a police officer, I'm sort of running out of things to tell them. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way in America in 2020. We have to evolve. We got to get past that. And the only way we get past that is if you look into this crowd and understand what made me so happy, it wasn't just black people saying it. It wasn't just black people saying it was wrong. It was all of you people that are not black. I'm going to be honest with you. White people, man, it goes a long way. It goes a long way to hear you step up. And I know sometimes it gets uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, it goes a long way. And to the black people, don't stop. We're gonna keep it going. I got I got I got my I got my sister here, right here. I got a, I got my sister here, Deidre Dixon, from the hood, South Dallas. I got all my, my brothers here, uh Brian and Tyron and Dave Brown, who's Amos's uh son. Listen, we're ready for the fight. We won't stop. No weapons formed against me shall prosper. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. I also heard from several people gathered at Civic Center Plaza who were listening on Sunday, including Mariposa Villaluna. We were trying to figure out on the fly how to conduct an interview with the coronavirus pandemic still a factor. Cool. Um, I have to get this pretty close to your face, but I'll try and keep my Yes, distance. totally. Um, I have to take this off too, huh? But, well, you don't have to. I can hear you through it. It's up okay. To you. I just rather, you know, be safer for yeah, everyone. Definitely. I did test it ne- negative for COVID, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I did it, but I did it a week ago, so. Uh, yeah. well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> so, do you mind, can I have your name, please? Yeah, my name is Mariposa. I live in the Mission in District 9. Do you have a last name? Oh, yeah, Villa Luna. One word or two? It's um, one word. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll, let's start simple. What brought you out today, particularly? Um, well, particularly what brought me out with this specific event is that they mentioned Mario Woods. Um, and um, when I watched Mario Woods' mom talk um, and cry right in front of us, it really hit hard because her family was never served justice and her son shouldn't have deserved to die. So I really liked the local impact of this specific action um, and the call they had. If you, if you saw a line, they had four demands and two out of the four were about with SFPD here in San Francisco and how Black Lives Matter in San Francisco too and that we aren't that much better than what happened to Miss Minneapolis. Black people here have been killed as well in San Francisco. And were you at any other actions recently? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Have you been to any other of the local actions recently? Um, this is the first one I went to that since George Floyd was murdered. Um, I also want to speak about Tony McDade, who's also was uh, was murdered this past week, who was a black trans man in Tallahassee, Florida, and he was murdered by the police there. 
days after he was jumped um, by several people and beaten up for being black and trans, because black trans lives matters too as well. And, and you have a sign here that says indigenous people for black lives. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So um, this sign, uh, indigenous peoples for black lives, indigenous sovereignty is tied up with black liberation. It's from Tipler Teaches. Tipler Teaches is a, a, an artist online and I asked her if I could print out her artwork and put it on a sign because I myself am Native American and Filipino and so I thought it was best to represent that here that as Native peoples we are standing in solidarity that Black Lives Matter and that we know even in Minneapolis the same cop who put their knee almost to nine minutes on George Floyd also killed um, before an indigenous man several years before who was never brought to justice. And so of course, if he thinks that he can go and kill indigenous lives, no wonder why he thinks he could go and kill and murder black lives. And so that we know our, our struggle and our liberation as indigenous people with our sovereign, our tribal sovereignty is tied up and bound up with black liberation. So that's why I'm here as an indigenous person, as a Native American person here supporting this movement. Thanks, anything else you wanna add? Um, I just want to add that I think a lot of times in San Francisco, we think we're so, um, I guess, progressive. We say that word a lot. But when we really think about it, we have less than 3% black population. So not only do black lives matter when it comes to staying alive and police interactions and police not doing state-sponsored murders, it also matters when black people need to be able to have access to quality, affordable housing. It also matters with all these, with healthcare. Um, look at the rates of COVID-19, right? Um, and so I think, you know, it's really interesting. We're all here, right? And George Floyd was murdered. And so that was the set off. But what, what happened with Mario Woods? When it happened, were the crowds this big? Were people taking all over Market Street? So when black people here die in San Francisco, my question to San Francisco is, now what is going to be our reaction? So let's step up and let's look at our own stuff, too, and let's change it. And I think it's really interesting if you heard the police chief, I yelled out into the crowd when he was up there, I said, Black Lives Matter. And then he said, yes, they do. That is huge, right? But it's not only enough to acknowledge it, even he himself said, actions speak louder than words. So not even just moving forward, but I would love SFPD to look in the past of what happened with Mario Woods. How can that be corrected? All these other different things, all these other black lives that have lost their lives. You know what I'm saying? In San Francisco, what is SFPD gonna do now about that? Cause it's not about moving forward. It's about co correcting and doing reconciliation work and also reparations also here in San Francisco as well. Thank you so much. Jada Curry, a student, was hopeful that this protest would carry on and that the movement would last. And what brought you out to this action today? Yeah, what brought me out is um, just the continuous distreatment, um, unfair treatment of black people. Being that I am a person who is black, it is sad to see and know that I even have brothers who I fear for their lives every day going outside if I will even see them again. And to see all the hashtags on social media, it's, it's a start, but it's not enough. So physically coming out and 
it's nice to see so many allies out here and I hope that we can all still work together even after this, after the crowds are gone. Yeah, that's something that I heard repeated a lot today is that a lot of the speakers were saying, you know, this is great that you're here now, but we need you to come back. We need you to do more after this is all over. Um, do you think that's going to happen? I, because time after time I, I've seen um, the crowds sometimes not come as, as much as it is now, I'm hopeful, of course, but um, I'm not sure. But I think, especially this, since this is nationwide now, even global, people protesting in other countries, I feel like it could be a start. I really do. Um, for sure, I think even being out here now, I, I see certain people in there, they leave and, and then they leave their Black Lives Matter sign. And that could be for, for any reason, but it, it's kind of, does it matter to hold the sign only when you're here and not in other times? I don't know. I don't know. But I hope, I hope that after this, especially this is huge, especially at the global scale, I think something is happening for sure. Throughout these protests, demonstrators have been calling out to law enforcement officers, trying to get them to respond or even participate. Brian Howey, my colleague at the Public Press, went to Ocean Beach on Tuesday, where a march wound its way along Great Highway. He captured these remarks from Tears of Love. Brian also caught up to her after she'd finished speaking. She felt concerns over the coronavirus were not as important as the death of George Floyd. What brings you out here today? Um, you know, my best friend invited me, and she said that we need to come out and make a stand, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm using my voice to make a difference. Okay. And being out here and knowing that social distancing is impossible, is that something that's on your mind? No. <laughs> you know what's on my mind? Someone dying at the hands of the police. You know, my sister, my cousin, George Floyd, the list goes on and on. And that's what's on my mind, and that's what's on my heart, and that's what I can't stop thinking about. I don't, I'm not wearing a mask, you know, God forbid, but I'm not afraid of corona. I'm afraid of losing someone else at the hands of the police. I am. Terrified, even. Are you going to continue protesting throughout the week? Yes, I am. What's up? Are you planning on being a vaccine? Tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit more about uh, maybe the, the state of the economy right now and that's how that's affecting everything? Oh, yeah. Now? People have been in their house for months, losing their jobs, not having income. They threw us a little $1,200, and not everyone even got it. And now we have to decide, do we pay rent or do we buy food? And people are angry. And then we can see everything that's happening while we're under quarantine. And we don't even have the facts about COVID. Nobody really knows what's going on, if it's even real. You know, I, I believe that it's real, but 
Is it real to the extent that we have to not be around people and not stand up for what's right? I think that this is more important than that. I do. I feel like black lives are more important than wearing my mask and staying six feet away from you. I want you to hear my story, so I'm going to stand right here and look you in your eyes and tell you how I feel about this because it matters more than anything else right now. It matters. And seeing all these people out here, it feels good, but not if they go home and nothing happens afterward. We need real change. So that's why I'm here, so that I can hopefully affect, infect one person's heart, and then that will cause a trickle effect. And at the same time, protesters have been balancing their determination to be seen and heard with precautions for coronavirus safety, like Whitney Moore. I know that we're out here in protest conditions for like the past week now. Uh, nobody's able to social distance properly or follow those, those, those health guidelines. What, I mean, is that a concern for you? And how do you balance that with, with the, the, press, the pressing urge of getting out here on the streets? I mean, I think for me right now in terms of COVID, I think we've like come a long way in terms of wear your mask, wash your hands, have hand sanitizer, like be smart. This racism has gone longer than COVID has. So for me, it's like, it's all about just fighting and just getting to it. And it has, wear your mask, wear a mask. Brian also talked with Brandon Myers, who's mixed race, and his wife, Rocio Myers. They brought their son to the rally and spoke to Brian about the world they hope to create for him. So what brings you guys out here today? Uh, I'm a mixed race, half black. Um, I've had a lot of situations that were uncomfortable and inappropriate with police officers throughout my life. I'm here for my son. I'm certainly here for George Floyd. Um, he was killed you know, in public, broad daylight. It was a lynching and someone that didn't deserve it. Regardless of whatever he was doing at the time, he didn't deserve to die. And I'm sick of it. I've been arrested. I've been mistreated. I've been chastised in ways that no one should be for things that they've never done. So I've experienced it firsthand and it sucks. It's hurtful and I just don't want my trauma to be my son's trauma. Did you want to answer as well? No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm his wife and there's nothing I can ever say that will depict how he feels. I'm just standing right by him and supporting him. And I see uh, that you brought your son with you. What, what does this mean for you in, in, in terms of, of bringing him here and, and the world that he's growing up in? Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, they, they talk a lot about um, like transgenerational trauma and your trauma being your children's trauma and can pass down to the next generation. And it's too late, right? These feelings, he's going to feel them. There's no way around it. And my hope is that when he has kids, they don't have to deal with it. This is a very traumatic experience that the United States is going through right now. And this has been the history of this country for quite some time. And it, at a certain point, it has to change. Um, this is my third protest. They've all been incredibly peaceful. And the thing that I recognize is that it seems like people are adding to the cause, not going away. This feels like the first time that there's enough momentum to actually get someone to notice. I think the thing that I'm really recognizing, you watch the news and you kind of see what happened yesterday with Donald Trump, I think he's going to flinch. He seems scared to me. I think, I think this is an opportunity to actually drive change and people aren't stopping. And I think this is a really unique moment in humanity to actually do something. And, and I don't intend on stopping until we get some sort of resolution or recognition. 
man named Maxwell talked with Brian about how Asian communities are grappling with questions of racism. What brings you out here today? Well, I think that one of the officers involved with George Floyd's murder was Asian American. And I think that, especially with his history of excessive force complaints, it's sort of representative of how I think a lot of the Asian American community that I come from is either silent or complicit in a lot of anti-blackness in America. So I came out here sort of to make a stand for my community, show that, you know, like our community, my community is not, is not sort of, I think we're no longer happy being silent on these sort of issues. I think that we want to make a stand because the oppression of black people, I think is sort of intrinsically interwoven with the oppression of all people. So I wanted to make a stand to show that, you know, the Asian American community, parts of the Asian American community have a responsibility to dismantle the racist institutions that we participate in and also just uh, actively work towards dismantling the systemic biases in the U.S. against black people. Great. And just because this is audio, do you identify as Asian American? Yes, yes, I do. Thanks you. Yeah, sorry. No, of course. What's your name? Uh, Maxwell. Okay. And Maxwell, one other question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've noticed in the protests that I've been covering for the past week that social distancing is just completely impossible. Yeah. Is that something that concerns you being out here? Yeah, I think it is something that concerns me and concerns a lot of people. I think a lot of the people I've talked to uh, find it difficult, especially people who live with their grandparents or elderly. Uh, to make a stand for the protest. And I think that it's a really difficult decision when you're sort of confronted with the dichotomy of either coming out and making a stand for people, black people who have been killed in America or and risking your health because of coronavirus or staying home and silent and allowing those sort of police brutality incidents to continue. So it is definitely something that concerns me a lot and worries me a lot but i really hope that nothing major comes out of the protests in terms of the coronavirus thanks to reporter brian howie for keeping on top of the protests this week and capturing those perspectives we'll continue to talk with people who are out at these demonstrations as they carry on and bring you more of their thoughts i'm laura wenis and you've been listening to civic